thing. This is a diamond, but it is in the rough. It has to be refined, and that's the next step for them, and that's exciting and, and, and a fun thing that we're going to get to watch this Titans team try to do. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Wednesday, December 12th. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. You can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. I'm joined this lovely Tuesday afternoon as we're recording live by producer JT, who you can follow on social media at JT underscore Runky. JT, how are you on a Victory Tuesday? A Victory Tuesday that nobody, and I mean nobody, saw coming. I mean, it, we might as well just erase our Thursday episode off the face of the earth because that is direct avoid, That is direct evidence that we yeah. had no idea that this was going to happen. Yet, here we are on one of the weirdest days of the year. You yeah. never really usually see a Victory Tuesday, but that's that's where we are. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been an interesting day so far, but now we're here and let's talk some Titans. You're right. Victory Tuesdays are rare and they certainly weren't. Uh, it was not an accept, expected one here with the Titans shocking the Dolphins 28 to 27 winning making history doing some really fantastic things doing a couple of really bad things we're going to talk about I I am so amped JT I I texted you around midday today and told you get ready for this show bring the juice because I'm bringing the juice I have not been this excited for a show in a long time we are chocked full of Titans recap and stats and analysis and information for you from what was a phenomenally entertaining Monday night of football before we dive into all of that today. And we're not going to dilly dally, waste any time. We're going to get right into it. But first, a couple of housekeeping things we got to take care of. First of all, if you're tuning in with us live, thank you so much for being here on a Tuesday afternoon. Appreciate you and your viewership. Help us out. Hit that like button. Hit that retweet button. Hit that thumbs up button. If you're watching on YouTube, whatever you can do, wherever you're watching to help us not just spread this show, but get as many eyeballs on it as humanly possible live. That is incredibly helpful to us. We want as many live folks in here as possible to be a part of the conversation. And the way to directly be a part of that conversation is to stop watching on YouTube or on Twitter, if that's where you're at. Head on over to Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. Did I say stop watching on YouTube? Ignore that. Stop watching on Twitter or Facebook and go over to Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. That's where you're going to find this live stream. That's Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. Find this live stream. And in the comment section of that video, is where you can become a part of today's conversation like AJ and Logan already have. AJ says hello, Easton and JT. To you, AJ, we say hello and welcome in. If you guys wouldn't mind while you're there hitting that subscribe button, we're trying to get our subscription count on YouTube up to 1,000 by the end of the year. A daunting number, but I know we can do it because I know how many of you watch, and there are thousands of you. And so if just a fraction of you hit that button, it will be very helpful to us. It's free to you and it's very helpful to us. So please just do it as a favor. And uh, we appreciate you doing that. We are brought to you today, JT, as we always are by Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House, a fantastic dining establishment here in Middle Tennessee. There are three locations in East Nashville, in Murfreesboro, and in Spring Hill, where JT and I call uh, home base. Our, our Thursday show each and every week is live from the Spring Hill location of Boomba's, just about 20, 25 minutes down I-65 if you live in the Nashville area. We do our shows previewing the Titans' Sunday action at 5.30 p.m. Central Standard Time each and every Thursday before Thursday Night Football. And then we hang out at the bar, get a, a delicious bite to eat, have some delicious drink on tap, of which they have many local and domestic options, and we watch 
some great Thursday night football on one of the many giant TVs they have there in house. It is a fantastic sports viewing setup. We recommend you come and hang out with us. If you come, we do Thursday night uh, gift card giveaways each and every week. You can come say hello. Just acknowledge that you know who we are, and we will give you free food and drink on us on Boomba's Craft Pizza. That is a deal that should sell itself. Come hang out each and every Thursday the rest of this NFL season. We'd love to come uh, have you come out and hang with us. All right, JT. All of the housekeeping out of the way. We've got some folks in here, and again, as, as people are pouring in, uh, if you could help us spread today's show, it's going to be a good one. Hit that like button, hit retweet, send it to a buddy, uh, and hit subscribe where you're over at Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. We appreciate you doing that. We'd love to hear your thoughts, comments, and questions, as always, in the comment section of today's YouTube video. Plenty to discuss on this one, JT. Titans shock the Dolphins 28-27 to in the biggest upset of the year. 14-point underdogs on the road where they've looked downright terrible. All year long, two turnovers in the final six minutes, two touchdowns and a two point conversion in the final three minutes. Rookie quarterback Will Levis looks fantastic in prime time. The most Tennessee Titans game in a long time, in my opinion. That's what I think sums it up. So, so, so Titans. And I think Ben Solak, uh, our buddy on, on Twitter, said it best. Dread it. Run from it. Spoiler, Mike Vrabel arrives all the same. By the way, on Vrabel, before we die, and there's a million ways we can talk about this today, and we're going to try to cover all of them. So bear with me if today's uh, dialogue and at, and at times monologue feels a little bit disjointed, but I have a lot of thoughts, and I think you'll find all of them fascinating or interesting. And again, JT, I need I need your help policing today's show as folks have thoughts or as you have thoughts and what we have to talk about today in the comment section or from your brain, stop me interject. I, I want this to be a dialogue and not just a monologue, but I have a lot to get through. So uh, do me a favor and jump in when you need to jump in on Vrabel, who I have caught a whole lot of crap in recent weeks for defending and objectively believing in despite ups and downs in the past calendar year. Yeah, man, like that, that team you saw last night sure looks like, one that has given up on their coach. Don't you think like clearly his message is no longer getting through to them. You just, you can tell they're not playing for their guy anymore. I mean, that that's what I saw last night. Is that what you saw last night? Exactly. Yeah. They, they had given up uh, right when the whistle blows, the, the, the team just gives up and they somehow stumble their way into, into a uh, win, a win against the AFC one seed. And this is a team we're talking about who at this point is functionally out of the playoff race. And yet they go on the road again, where they've looked terrible. Every reason in the world to lose that football game. And as we thought they would lose pretty bad. I mean, you, you bet them in the best bag gauntlet. I backed you in that decision. And you and I, ultimately we have the luxury of being so good in the best bag gauntlet this year, that that loss is one that we will take 10 times out of 10 because it makes this show in this week far more interesting for the rest of our discussion on this show. So happy to have lost that bet, uh, all, all told, but they had no business winning that game and they had no business playing as hard as physical as long into the game. Even when the, the, the night was darkest before dawn there at the very end, they had no business finishing like that. And yet they played to the final whistle all night long and they were the more physical team all night long. And they were determined to play for their coach and embody the style of football that their coach preaches and teaches until the final whistle all night long. That's not a team 
that has been lost by its head coach. That's not a team that that needs to consider a different direction in leadership because who they've got just isn't quite getting through to the fellas in the locker room anymore. It was always a silly narrative. And those of you that give me a hard time for not being a real analyst or not being a real reporter or not being objective in my job because I blindly defend my, no, there's nothing blind about it guys. And that's what I've been trying to tell you. My defense of Mike Vrabel is, is because I, I'm old enough to remember more than the last calendar year. I'm old enough to remember Mike Vrabel having been here as a head coach for over a half a decade now. And there's a track record there that hasn't looked great in the immediate past, but there's more to it than that. And you got a vintage, vintage Mike Vrabel, Tennessee Titans performance on Monday night, a team that had no business winning when everybody in the world, even the folks most inclined to think that they could pull out a win. They convinced everybody that they were going to get killed and they end up winning the game outright. I think that's, that's really all there is to say about, about Mike Vrabel and, and his command of this team and the way that they uh, reflect their head coach. But beyond that little soapbox, let's jump off and, and talk about some of the insanity in this game. Because for the second consecutive week, week, JT, we've had a Titans game that was thoroughly enjoyable to watch. One was a loss and one was a win. Both of them wildly entertaining. Both of them, you saw some things that you don't typically see in football games. In fact, both contained things you pretty much never see in football games. Again, like last week, we talked on the show about how if you're going to have to, like if we, it's our job to watch and analyze and talk three times a week about this team, at least God, please, can we make it like, can we make the games drunk? Can we make them crazy and ridiculous and wild and stupid and intoxicating and not, you know, Vikings beat the Raiders three to nothing. Like that's, that's what we're trying to avoid. And so far we're two for two in the past two weeks. So I'm a big fan of that. Just a couple of things that caught my eye on this one. First of all, it was so hilarious that all day long, JT, what was the narrative is? Oh God, Monday night. Did you see who's playing on Monday night football tonight? Jeez Louise, man. The, these two, and there's two games and they're both good. One of them is a, is a, is a touchdown spread. And one of them is two touchdown spread. And it's really? not like they're it's not like they're staggered like they have in the in, in the past. It's like same start time. Th- same start time, which <laughs> I think people had a lot of questions if you're a fan of the Manning cast, how they were gonna do that. I've heard that some horror stories from last night that the Manning cast was just a, a, a mess trying to do both games at the same time. And I can't blame them because First of all, it's hard to, to uh, think of some narratives for each side when going into this game. Although there are some to be found. Um, however, like just having them start at the same time, it, it was also just kind of just the cherry Clearly on top ESPN of ridiculous. Trying to do their own little like, what if we had two games and we did a red zone situation because they forced you to watch the 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 picture in picture situation with both games for far too like. I don't know a soul that wasn't infuriated by that. I'm guessing they won't do that again because it was kind of a disaster. But besides that, it was hilarious that the narrative all day was for some reason we're getting two games. Neither of them look good at all. And then it turns out two massive underdogs make each game wildly compelling and then both end up winning outright, which I I did the calculations, by the way. If there was anybody insane enough to place a a two-team money line parlay on those games last night, you would have turned $10 and I'm making sure I got my math right here, pulling back up my, uh, my research. You would have turned $10 into nearly $870 uh, 
uh, if you had just money line parlayed both of those two teams last night. The Titans were like plus 650. The the Giants were like plus 270, something like that. Yeah, you'd have made a lot of money. Um, but the NFL rocks. Never forget that. These are the kind of nights that you, you look at and you're like, oh, God, this can't. What are we doing here? That in March, you're going to be begging for, please give us football of any kind. I'm begging. I'm, I'm dying. I can't wait the next four months for real football. Please give us something. This is the kind of thing you need to save for. And this is why ultimately I push back often on folks that are like talking about the draft and end of November. Like, look, I get it. Your team might suck. You might be done with the year. Savor the football, man. Savor the football. But yeah, you know, the grandkids, they're going to hear about the night that Tommy DeVito and Will Levis both pulled up, pulled off upsets in the same night. That's a big deal. Uh, I guess we can start from the top. You know, it took 0.3 seconds into the game for David Long Jr. to make an impact play, which I'm sitting there thinking, oh God, here we go. Like, this is going to be the narrative. We're going to have to talk about this. He's going to be a massive impact in the game. Kind of disappeared a little bit. I mean, he, he made some plays throughout the game, but he wasn't a big talking point. You're not hearing his name brought up on national radio much today. That's very good news. Um, but it was funny that he makes that first tackle for loss. And you're like, hello, welcome back. David long, former Titan who's been balling out for the Miami dolphins this year. Uh, the, the Titans plan early JT. And we were discussing this via text. It appeared to be, let's just murder everybody, which felt a bit on the nose, frankly, but, you know, effective. It's an effective strategy. Xavier Howard goes down very early in the first quarter. Then Jalen Waddles nicked up. Then Tyree Kill, who we'll talk about more later in the show. You know, MVP Tyree Kill. There was no better case for his MVP candidacy than that game last night, where when he was not on the field, the Dolphins' offense couldn't do anything. Like they couldn't really function well. And we're going to discuss that, but. He gets nicked up and his ankle is still a big question mark going forward. And then Connor Williams, their center, which was the sneakiest of those four. He goes down relatively early in the game, midway through the game, and he's torn his ACL. He's done for the year. That I mean, that's a massive deal. He was playing very good ball. So didn't love that. You know, you don't love when football players are constantly getting killed, but it was a nightmare game for the Dolphins injury luck early on in the first quarter. Here's just some of the insane Titans ended up winning this game, by the way. I'm going to remind you that because when I tell you the stat, you're going to be like, no, they didn't. No, they did. Uh, first quarter, the Titans were averaging 0.8 yards per play. Not great. The Dolphins were averaging a mere 8.1 yards per play. Uh, they escaped that first quarter somehow with the score. I think it was 7-0 to zero at the end of the first. Um, that was impressive in its own right. At that point in the game, we had people on Twitter, in my comments, in my DMs, Already started rage tweeting to fire Vrabel, burn it, burn it down, burn it all down when they were actually still hanging on with a very good football team on the road. But that's neither here nor there. Um, and then Danico Autry blocked a field goal, which he's very good at. The last time the Titans did that was when he did it also last season. Um, he's got like, doesn't he have like six or seven of those in his career or more? He's done. He's done that a lot. I know it was one of the stats that we had for one of our games earlier on in the year, but he's done that a ton in his career. And that was a big deal. Keeping points off the board was uh, a little poetic feeling for the special teams unit to make a play like that right after Craig Ackerman was gone. And then you had Derrick Henry lining up as a, what this was one of the strangest things we saw all night. Derrick Henry lining up as a wide out against Jalen Ramsey, making that leaping catch at the sticks for a first down. All right. 250 pounds, six foot two, Big fella getting up. I mean, looking more athletic than I could. Uh, that was really, really impressive. It was a strange play, but it worked. So well done, I suppose. 
who had this on their bingo cards, JT, the Dolphins in this game, pretty good offense. I've been told uh, three passing plays of 20 plus yards for a total of 70 yards on the night. The Titans had seven such explosive plays passing for 199 total yards. And the Dolphins, the Dolphins offense, in case you're wondering, well, who are they playing against? Because it wasn't the Titans defense. No, it was. It was the Titans secondary. We're going to discuss that more later when we discuss the defense as a whole and their performance. But I mean, I was joking on Twitter yesterday before the game that I was sitting down trying, you know, playing GM, playing um, analyst G GM or analyst DC rather trying to figure out how I would hypothetically scheme up a game to eliminate Tyreek Hill from the equation without creating massive holes elsewhere. And I, I, I joked that I felt like the, the scientists in Apollo 13 where they're trying to fix the cabin air filter. And they're like, we need, we need to make this a round air filter fit into a hole designed for this, a square air filter. And all we have is this, which is a table of like duct tape and toothpicks. Um, that's what that felt like. And yet they, some the Titans scientists somehow found a way to devise a game plan to make the defense that at times throughout the game was clearly and obviously inferior in talent and in speed. And you see some angles that are taken and you're like, Oh God, that hurts to watch. Um, and yet they managed to be, I mean, I, one of, if not the number one defensive performances against the Dolphins all year long. The Dolphins offense functionally only scored six points in this game. Only generated six points in this game on their own. We're going to talk about that again in a little bit, but a really fantastic performance for the Titans defense. Um, what what else happened here? Some stats on, on what was a crazy and unexpected ending, right? And you've heard this thrown around a million times today. We're going to say it for the million and first time because it bears repeating. Teams down 14 or more points with three minutes left to play in the game have lost until last night. 767 games in a row. 767. That's a lot of games in a row. Even further on than that, the Titans are the first NFL team ever. Ever. Not since the merger. Not since 2000. Not in the last how many. No. Ever. To be down 14 points with less than two minutes and 55 seconds left in regulation and win without having to go to overtime. According to Next Gen Stats, their win probability model, the Titans win probability was as low as 0.4%. 0.4% when they trailed the Dolphins 23, or excuse me, 27 to 13 with 308 left in regulation. And that win goes down as the second most statistically improbable comeback in the next gen stats era. It sure felt like uh, the Titans needed it. I mean, they clearly they needed a miracle last night. That was a miraculous win. And uh, to, to kind of tie in some news from the weekend before the, the Titans ended up playing this game and, and it, this news got a little bit overshadowed. It, it can't help. But, yeah, I can't help at least, but thank, you know, Frank Wycheck who, tragically passed away i believe at age 52 this weekend who what played a pivotal role in the music city miracle sure felt poetic sure sure felt meaningful that the titans pull off such a miraculous end of game comeback and win um on, on the game immediately following his passing and that was really really cool we've got some old school categories for today's show to kind of structure our discussion we're talking about some winners and we're talking about some losers we're going to talk about some more winners, and then we're going to get to the news with JT. Before we do that, JT, what have the folks been saying in the comment section? Anything we need to address before we dive into 
the number one winner of the night, Will Levis. Um, yeah, I mean, we can we can talk about a couple of these here. Uh, first one here where Josh says, I don't know how Autry isn't a Titan next year. Surely hmm. something that you, is going to be a hot topic this offseason. Uh, I found it out. Autry now has in his career 11 blocked kicks. Um, Eleven double yes, digits. He has, okay, he has double dig- over double digits uh, over 10 with that one last night. So now he has 11 on his career, which is just pretty insane to me to, to, to um, have that many, but he's been a pivotal piece, definitely stepping up last night in, in lieu of Jeffrey Simmons, not playing. And then also being a pivotal role on that special teams unit as well. Um, Elliot also chimes in saying Vrabel masterclass uh, going for two and saving all three timeouts in the second half, which it was, yes. it was very unlike Vrabel for, for what we've seen this year. I mean that we've had, they're down 14. They score. Were you sitting there wondering to yourself in that moment? Like, will they do the thing or will they not do the thing? Cause well, I was, I was like, me, no shot. He does the thing. And then yeah, I look I, at the sidelines and he's going like, holy, oh it, was, it was, it was, it was night this and day growing. from, from what, uh, he has done this season. The precedent has been. We've talked about this many times. So you can go back to even the earliest days of week one this season being like, yeah. why hasn't Mike Vrabel gone for two this week? And that's really why uh, I- I'm so shocked that some certain people, maybe our favorite person in Nashville media today is saying that Vrabel did not coach well. Like Vrabel objectively changed like his ways and, and changed things that he did earlier in the season he did them totally different and he adjusted in this game sure. because of where they were um yep. but yeah like you were saying i i totally thought they were going to go for one so much so that a lot of people were texting me saying oh my god i i, I adjusted the the um i adjusted the miami line to minus seven and now i'm gonna push and i was like well <laughs> at least you can like recalculate your parlay like that sure. and then they go out for two and i said never yeah. mind what are we doing um, and can you imagine the discussion we were going to have today by the way if they if they had been on the very unlucky end of that two point gamut um it would for I'm going to very briefly explain why you because I've had a surprising number of folks ask me today, like why on the Manning cast that there were three quarterbacks on at the time, Kirk Cousins, Eli and Peyton. They were all kind of talking about it like they weren't quite sure if they agree with it or understood it. Here's why you go for two down 14 there or you hear often it's talked about as the like go for two down eight gambit. Here's the reason why when you're down two scores with not much time left. What you have to do in order to not lose the game is score two touchdowns, which is a difficult thing to do. But if you manage to do that and you kick the extra points like normal, your reward for doing that very difficult thing, scoring two touchdowns uh, unanswered with very little time left, your reward is overtime. And functionally, overtime is a 50-50 proposition. There are circumstances that make it different in in any given specific setup, but in general, sometimes overtime comes down to a simple flip of the coin. Um, and so it's kind of a 50-50 proposition. Statistically, it is. If you're wanting to avoid that as your grand prize of doing a difficult thing, going for two essentially allows you to, again, this is we're talking about probabilities and statistics here. You are creating a universe in which you win the game and are rewarded for doing the difficult thing, scoring two touchdowns without much time left, unanswered, you are rewarded with winning in regulation. That opens up a timeline in which you can win regulation because if you go for two and you make it, you get to do what the Titans did last night, score another touchdown, kick the extra point, and win by one. 
If you go for two and miss, which going for two is also statistically about a 50-50 proposition, you then have roughly a 50-50 proposition of making it going for two the next time you score, which means as long as you make it once of the two touchdowns, you get that two points somewhere, that's 14 points in total, and you're rewarded with overtime. Um, so that's, that's two different scenarios, right? Because it's make the first time, miss the second time equals overtime or miss the first time, make the second time equals overtime. And then the, the fourth scenario is you miss both times and you miss that on the game. But again, that is a really low percentage chance and you are creating a universe for yourself. Like the Titans ended up working out last night in which you are rewarded for doing that difficult thing by winning the game outright and not having to go to overtime. That's the, the long and, and short of it. That's the skinny on it. If you want more information on the actual math, that is available online. Just Google down down eight, go for two, or down 14, go for two, and there's plenty of articles on it. So there's that. Uh, Kenneth asks in the comments, and this is a great transition into our, our discussion uh, on specific folks in this game. He says, are we finally ready to switch from a Derrick Henry-led offense to a Will Levis led offense and i think the answer is yes i think that this was a really important game this is a game that i think is likely to be one that we look back on in the next couple months years jt as a an inflection point of some sort in will levis's career an inflection point in the history of the tennessee titans so let's talk about levis and what he did last night he made some mistakes especially early. This was not a perfect game for him. It was a very, very good game for him. And he did some great things that we're going to discuss, but I don't, I want to be as fair and balanced today as possible. And we need to start by talking about the mistakes that he made, especially early on in this game. So we can start from the top that pick six on the first, or excuse me, his technically his second possession of the game at the goal line is about as ugly as it gets, right? That that's one that he's staring down the guy that if the, the, the lineman wasn't exactly, he either wasn't rushing or wasn't rushing effectively. I need to go back and watch some more of the tape. I uh, watched the tape for the first time. Uh, I don't know if it's out yet, but I haven't got a chance to look at it. Um, that he was staring him down where he was throwing to was Spears leaking out who like, even if that defender hadn't been there, Spears wasn't going to catch that ball. It was weird. It was a weird decision. It was a bad decision. And it was compounded, count, uh, compounded by Levis in the end zone, <laughs> trying to lay a shoulder on the guy already like five feet into the end zone. This is a lineman or defensive lineman. Who's like, just cracks your shoulder. The, that's a dumb thing. Don't do that. Uh, there was a couple other instances where Will Levis didn't protect himself very well in this game, and we'll discuss that in the losers portion of today's um, today's topics. But that wasn't great. But he came right back swinging, and that's what's most important here, JT. He came back the very next throw of the game that he made once they got the ball back was that gorgeous anticipation. Anticip Let me start that over. He came right back swinging with a pass that was that beautiful anticipation pass across the middle into a very tight window to Chig, who caught it, by the way, ups for Chig. We're going to talk about him as a winner today because he absolutely was a winner in this game. And Sneaky has put together three or four really nice games in a row. Some red and a redemption arc for our favorite tight end on this show. But then the, the final four ish minutes of the game, that's where we'll have us really shine. That's what we need to talk about. In the final 434 of regulation of this game, Will Levis put up the following stats. He went nine for 11 for 152 yards, led two touchdown drives, included one that he threw, and then he threw and completed a two-point conversion. Let the, let the man cook. That, that's, we can, that'll work. That'll do. We can work with that. Um, 
uh, here's my ultimate takeaway from this game. And I saw a couple of different people say this in different ways. The, for the person who I, I saw put it the best, and, and this is kind of a re- reflection of a take I saw from him, but it's a it's a popular and true one. Our buddy Mike Herndon, friend of the show, he said something along these lines as well as others. Will Levis has already shown us multiple examples in his, what, seven, eight games that he started this year for the Titans. He's shown us multiple examples already of every single tool you can possibly ask for in a quarterback. We have seen not just flashes, but multiple flashes. Like, you you know, you hear somebody say once is a um, once is an instance, twice is a coincidence, three times is a pattern. We're in the we're in the pattern territory for a lot of these things. But if you just go down any scouts checklist for traits, for tools you want to see a quarterback possess, the things you want to see him have in his bag. Okay, accuracy, check. Velocity, check. Touch, check. Arm angles, yep. Escapability, there. Playmaking ability, there. Leadership, absolutely. Poise, yep. Toughness, yes. Strength, absolutely. Quickness, yes. Size, big fella. It is purely, at this point, a matter of refining and polishing those traits. They're all there. The Titans went mining for diamonds, right? They, 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 they went looking for their gem. And I, I am ready to officially say that they have found a big one. Now they just have to clean it and polish it and wipe that mud off of it, take it back to the shop, and they've got to get a pretty cut on it. They've got to refine that thing. This is a diamond, but it is in the rough. It has to be refined. And that's the next step for them. And that's exciting and, and, and a fun thing that we're going to get to watch this Titans team try to do. So far, so good. Robert Griffin III uh, on, on Twitter, you pulled this, JT, an interesting stat. Will Levis, he talks about, he calls him an incredible Hulk coming back from down 27 to 13, who then started creating outside the pocket with underhand pitches and throwing darts downfield to D-Hop and Westbrook Akine. Here's the stat, right? Only Brock Purdy, CJ Stroud, and Dak Prescott three guys that have had pretty good years, I'd say. Uh, They are the only three quarterbacks in the league who have more explosive plays this season than Will Levis since he became the starter. So since week seven or eight or whenever it was. He has thrown in his, uh, sorry, here here it is. I have it written down. Seven games. He started now for the Tennessee Titans. He's thrown 1,593 yards, eight touchdowns, and three interceptions in those seven games, which projects to a season total of, uh, just shy of 3,900 yards, 19 touchdowns, and center, seven interceptions as a rookie in a full season. That is having one heck of a rookie year if he were to have done that throughout the season, especially considering his wide receiver situation and his offensive line situation. Uh, that is that again, that that'll do. We can work with that. The offensive line, what, one more uh, thought on Levis before we talk about what, what you had to say from this game, JT, and what the folks in the comments have to say. The offensive line in this game, they weren't necessarily the reason Levis played well. In fact, you could say he played well despite them. They gave up pressure a ton per PFF charting in that game. Levis saw pressures on 46.3% of his dropbacks, nearly half of them. But he managed to avoid the sacks and and, and averaged a ridiculous 10.5 yards per attempt when pressured, which is insanely good. For for frame of reference for folks that may not know, a 50% pressure rate, which is roughly what the Titans allowed here, that's generally considered completely untenable. Like 
can't like can't work with it. The engine won't start. It's an, it's a non-starter in a game. It's the kind of number that post-game analysts rightly point to and say, well, "You yeah, I mean, you can't make a fair evaluation of the passer under these circumstances." I mean, you like it's a, it's untenable. You can't do it. And yet, it didn't matter for Levis in that game last night. He threw for 327 yards. He was his best in the game when they needed him to be the best at the end of the game. A brilliant performance. Brilliant. JT, what do you have to say about this? What do the folks in the comments have to say about this performance from Levis? Yeah, I mean, for me personally, this kind of this game check the box and more so of what I wanted to see from Will Levis this week um, to, to an extent, even that I didn't think possible, which was okay. Cause I think we both assumed that one way or another, this Titans team was going to have to throw the ball a lot in this game. Sure. They, this one way or the other, this Miami Dolphins team was going to get up big on you. And it happened. Uh, it wasn't pretty, but they eventually did get up on this Titans team late in the fourth quarter. Okay, let's see let's see Will Levis stick with it and, and Tim Kelly trust Will Levis to keep throwing the ball downfield and just let him sling it. And that's exactly what we saw from him last night and so in these um in these situations like this is what I wanted to see from Will Levis. Him be put in these situations down by a lot of points and just be able to just go out there and do what he does best with his big arm and throw the ball downfield. Um, and I have to give hats off to DeAndre Hopkins for having an incredible performance, but even so Nick Westbrook Akine, like I, I, I jokingly put out a tweet last night that says uh, on the one where NWI almost makes that catch uh, in, in the end zone there. Uh, I, I tweeted out saying, so close for the wide receiver two of the Titans NWI. And that was trying to say jokingly, but it really happened last it's all, night. It's that, also just that true. <laughs> the, yeah. That Nick Westbrook Akine was very good last night. Trevor in the comments here also pointing out that Tajay Spears was coming alive in the passing game and had a huge night last night. Will Levis being able to rely on, on Tajay Spears in the passing game with within that two minute drill um, I, I thought that was also just brilliant by him. And yeah, uh, there was a lot of things that I liked about this game from Will Levis and from Tim Kelly, especially in that two minute drill, honestly, very night and day. When you consider that the Titans in, in the first half during the two minute drill run three rushes up the middle and then punt <laughs> the ball away. And then somehow yeah. come back within the two minutes left in the game and have just a totally different offense. I think that was one of the most head scratching moments for me and, and why this game was so jarring. But in the end, like Will Levis, he he he's got it, man. Yeah, I mean, we, we can we can use that as an opportunity to transition to the other two guys I want to discuss real quick. Uh, Tajay Spears as mentioned, and DeAndre Hopkins, the, the other two guys that really made the engine of this offense work in this game. Before we discuss those guys, reminder, if you're watching with us live, thank you. Subscribe to the Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page if you are there and join us in the comment section here on Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page to be a part of today's conversation. We also appreciate our wonderful and amazing sponsors, Boom Boss Craft Pizza and Tap House, where you can come and hang out with us each and every Thursday night live before Thursday Night Football doing our live show, the Hot Read Podcast, talking Titans ahead of Sunday's action. All right. Um, I, wanted, I wanted to, I was vamping there for a moment to pull up the stats from this game for the Tennessee Titans. And the, the two guys in question here, 
And why is this being difficult to find? Hello. Oh, that's because it's the okay. It's the wrong game. Uh, do me a, do me a favor here, GT. While I'm talking about these two guys, pull up their stats for me because I'm I'm having a trouble multitasking here. Um, I guess let's start with Ty J Spears, who this was to me really his coming out game. Uh, over a hundred yards of total offense was their second receiver, only to DeAndre Hopkins. Um, the Titans' run game kind of non-existent in this game, which I find interesting and we'll discuss in a minute. Uh, he was a, a, a sizable portion of that as well, but they were using him. Gadget is, is a step too far, but they were using him in a way that is a, they used him as a modern running back. They used him as a, um, a receiving back who can kind of do it all run between the tackles, run outside the tackles, um, get to the edge catch screens, run routes, and catch the ball downfield. You saw a little bit of all of that from him. And that's something that is really not not just important for the Titans to win that game, but really the kind of thing that has to excite you about the future of this offense led by Will Levis and by Ty J Spears. They make a really nice duo, and Spears has the juice, man. I mean, we've been talking about it all literally since February of this year, but long before he was ever a Titan. He's got the juice, and he's showing it each and every week more and more. And I'm really glad they're continuing to to feature and utilize him more and more in this offense. I, I'm I'm not I'm not saying that they should. A lot of discussion is going to turn to well at this point. Should they just should it be all should it be all Spears and no Henry? I I, I think both are well utilized in this offense when used properly. I think the the best way at this point in both of their careers is to go as close to what we saw really from Dallas is who comes to mind for me last year when they still had Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard using them in that capacity where it's kind of 50 50 any given t- any given game. It's a little bit more of one, a little bit less than the other. And then one is used as you're between the 20s back and one of them is used as your red zone back and that's how they did it last night with with this this tandem you had Tajay getting over 100 total yards of all-purpose offense and you had Derrick Henry scoring two touchdowns punching it in at the goal line that's the appropriate usage to me do you agree yeah I mean I think that that perfect balance that I think Tim Kelly has been very much refining the past couple of weeks I think that's fair to say that we we've seen the 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 days of people outraged th- that the snap split between these two backs <laughs> early in the season has kind of right. died down because I think Tim Kelly this this has always been a work in progress for him and it's all about finding that perfect balance I think we're starting to see that perfect balance here Ty J Spears last night seven carries for 29 yards 4.1 yards per carry and then like you said where he is so good in that short passing game six receptions for 89 yards on eight targets he had about he was averaging four 14.8 yards per catch and then a long of 30 yards like that is where you want to use him because having him out there as that change of pace and I think you bring up a great point there where like kind of Cowboys-esque of last year where Derrick Henry is that red zone back to Tajay Spears ability to run the ball but also be be a threat in the receiving game is kind of what I think Tim Kelly in this offense really want going forward it is and let's transition to the other guy on offense we want to talk about in uh, deandre hopkins 
what were his official numbers last night? I know he had north of 100 receiving yards. Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins last night, seven of 12 or seven receptions on 12 targets for 124 yards and a touchdown, um, putting up once again another good game, which it seems to happen. We talk about that this is the third time that Jalen Ramsey and DeAndre Hopkins uh, kind of were, were facing off on their both of their third different team. They're playing for three different teams three right. times now. Um, DeAndre Hopkins just somehow, some way, even though Jalen Ramsey has always been very, very good, he still finds a way to just absolutely slice and dice the secondary of Jalen Ramsey and company. Yeah, absolutely. He uh, He's one of those guys that even at his age, he's still, he's going to get his. Uh, that that it, it, it's as simple as that you you saw multiple times last night where he was double and triple covered especially on third down and i'm watching this game with my dad and my brother and they're they're exasperated as, as i am watching just how much attention is being paid to him on those key downs and and i'm sitting there saying of course I mean, why would you not again he's he's still kind of their only receiver he's their third down sticks mover. Why would you not? If you were a defense playing the Titans dedicate everything to covering him on third down to the Dolphins credit, they did. And it, it didn't really matter. He's just still that good. It's crazy how much juice he still has. He once again, demonstrated my favorite rule of the NFL, which is to hashtag always commit OPI. He, he did and, and got that big X play down the sideline on that right hand side put the Titans into the red zone um, pissed a lot of people on the internet off. And, and it's like, he's it's not cheating. If they don't call it, it's not cheating. If they don't call it always commit OPI, it's the best play in sports. It, it, it works. It works. If you're good at it, it's a skill. And he's frankly, one of the best to ever do it. Um, and so that was really fantastic. Uh, anything from the comment section we need to address before we dive into some negatives before diving back into some positives. Yeah, we got a couple here. One from Joseph saying one thing we still need to work on is how to execute a screen pass. God <laughs> help us. I don't want to see another one for the rest of the season. Uh, that's yeah. a step too far, man. Like they, they when they execute them well, the screen pass is frankly one of the better plays the Titans have. Like the jailbreak screens, that's just been a staple of this Titans offense for a little bit, and it's nice. Um, but last night they were impressively bad at properly and safely executing those screen passes. So I'm with you that they need to get they need to get that cleaned up a little bit. And then Alex Smith giving his opinion on Will Levis saying that he is getting shades of Josh Allen in his early years. He has sure. the ability to make mistakes but also take over a game. Haven't seen that from a Titans quarterback in years. Long time. Long time. And it, it, Josh Allen's been the not lazy but very popular comp for a long time with Levis, which is fair. The other guy that I think is not brought up a, a ton in last night's game in particular really reminded me of him. It was, and folks are gonna be like, Oh gosh, don't make that comparison. But think back to his first couple seasons in the league with the Eagles. It, he's like Carson Wentz. If I guess if Carson Wentz teammates didn't actively hate him, like he's affable Carson Wentz. So that's good. But like Carson Wentz, you know, MVP season, Carson Wentz for the injury, young Carson Wentz who was slicing and dicing and single-handedly carrying offenses. Like, that's kind of what Will Levis feels like to me. He's the size of a linebacker out there. He, he's he's crazy, and that's we can talk about that a little bit in the loser section here. He, he's going to get himself hurt if he keeps doing this stuff. Man. He, he had the helicopter play two weeks ago. He had a couple plays last night where he lowers the shoulder against a defensive lineman in the end zone and then has a highlight tape 
run and hit of Jalen Ramsey where he folds him, like literally folds him in half. It looked like one of those, you know, TikTok chiropractic videos where they get the deepest break, the deepest crunch. And it's uh, it's like just the most satisfying thing ever. I'm guessing every vertebrae that Jalen Ramsey has got a good old pop on that one. Or like a, or like a, have you ever played the Mortal Kombat games where like you do the finisher yeah, sure. and then it just like shows the x-ray of like someone's back breaking almost yes, like that as well. In half, like Batman over Bane's knee. 100%. I mean, to, to be I, fair, one of, one of the comps coming out was that this, this kid may have too much muscle. Well, I too it, veiny, too vascular. It, it, it kind of helps him out here. Don't sure, you think? It, it doesn't, it does not hurt. I, there were some really funny takes when he was playing like a madman like that in that game on the internet. Uh, I think it was Ben Solak who said, I have no idea if Will Levis is going to be any good, but I do love the theory on on paper of a Tonka truck playing quarterback. That's pretty cool. I find that entertaining. Uh, I think, I don't know if it's Trevor, Trevor Sikama, I think is who said this. I, I should have written these down. Uh, he said that he thought it was funny how uh, he thought it was funny how the NFL is actively trying to regulate away the the injury risk of quarterbacks meanwhile will levis is out here playing nfl quarterback like he's trying to honor 70s fullbacks like that that's the kind of thing we saw from him last night so that wasn't great uh will levis at the or excuse me mike vrabel at the press conference today that i attended was joking about how will levis needs to protect himself better and he said he knows better and in the past we've been you know recently we've been showing him clips of quarterback sliding trying to get him to do that and clearly that's not working. So he jokingly said, I guess we're gonna have to show him, you know, clips of quarterbacks getting their ass handed to him, just getting killed when they don't slide. And maybe that will change his mind a little bit. But um, he's just he is really Josh Allen in that way. He's kind of a gold retriever quarterback. He's just going to do the thing. And you you admire that competitive edge in a lot of ways. It's an advantage, but you got to got to find a way to rein that in a little bit. Uh, Elliot the comment saying, let Levis play the man's game. Yeah, that is fair. You, you can play that game as long as you can play it, but you, you know, you've got to be careful about it. And there are times when, you know, when he lowers the shoulder against Jalen Ramsey, I don't really have like, yes, should he probably slide there situationally? Sure. Whatever. But I really don't mind a big boy quarterback laying the wood on like a DB, like pick and choose your spots, a DB. Sure. Drop a shoulder. I, I get it's risky, but maybe I'm old school a little bit in that capacity. Does that bother you that much, JT? What bothers me is when you're low in a shoulder in the end zone after a pick six on a defensive lineman when he's running at you and you're standing still. Like that's those were two perfect examples of do this, don't do that thing. And on that play, I got I got Vietnam flashbacks to <laughs> Andy Dalton's Cincinnati MVP almost oh, season where sure. he throws that interception and then goes for the tackle and then totally just derails the rest of his season. He's out for the rest of the season because he's trying to make a play on that interception. I think it was back in 2014, 2015. Like that is just one, like you said, Will Evis needs to not <laughs> like right through the interception. Get it. You want to do everything. Lay, lay your life on the line for your team. Maybe just not in that instance. Sure. Sure. And Jake in the comments saying that big Ben is the comp. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's a lineage here. It, Big Ben was the comp for Josh Allen. Josh Allen is the comp for Will Levis. They're they're the same archetype of player. Absolutely, uh, slight differences, but general uh, generalizations of of all three are are pretty similar. Some other losers in this game. Technically, the tank. So I'm going to get back on my soapbox for a minute, JT, because I have some strong thoughts on this. The tank took a hit last night. the The Titans win that game, and so they fall to the ninth projected draft pick. 
uh, as of right this minute. If they had lost, they would have moved up to about fifth. I believe they entered the game at sixth. They fall back to ninth currently. But this young core found a way to win, and they looked impressive in doing so. And that is arguably more valuable, in my opinion. Here's the take, and folks are wondering. I had some folks on the internet confused about my stance on this and what I'm preaching. Am I floundering? No, I'm. I'm reporting the stats on where they are in the tank, and I. It's. It truly is a win-win situation for this Titans team. Every game is a win-win situation. Either they lose and they improve their draft draft spot stock, or they win and they find a way to win with their guys. But the reason why I'm pushing back my my ultimate foot in the sand here is anti-taking for this team is this: winning in the NFL is hard man it's really hard winning in the nfl is also a skill winning in the nfl is good those are all things that are true another thing that's true the draft is a lottery ultimately it's you're playing the numbers it's 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 a crapshoot at the end of the day and this team no matter what happens the rest of the year they're going to be drafting plenty high like you can rest your pretty little head they're they're not going to have the 23rd pick in this draft they're going to have a perfectly high draft pick in a draft chock full of really talented players that I can't wait to talk about in the spring. Wake me then. But tonight was very good for the Titans who have their young core in Will Levis and Tajay Spears. And that is why I don't buy into this idea that tanking is for this team. They don't meet the criteria for tanking, in my opinion. They should go forth and prosper with who they have and who they have is the reason why they shouldn't be tanking. Tanking is for two different types of teams. JT tanking is for teams that one don't have the young quarterback, they, they, the quarterback that they have. He's not the guy. They desperately need a quarterback high in the draft. You should be chasing after that tank. You should be chasing after that draft pick. The other thing that tanking is for is for teams that have good quarterbacks, but they are old and expensive. They are veterans and they cost you a lot of money. And the rest of your team is so devoid of talent that you just can't compete. And you've got to restock and get some real talent around that quarterback. Those are the two types of teams that tanking is for. Tanking is not really for teams that have found their guy. He is young and he is free functionally to the team. That's where the Titans are with Will Levis. Like he's their guy. They have their guy. When you're that team, tanking is nice if you need to add pieces around the guy like this Titans team does. But ultimately, you don't really fit the bill. You should start trying to figure out how to win with the guy now. Because again, tanking is good. Or winning is good. Winning is hard. Winning is valuable. It's a skill. It's something that you got to learn to do. And having some experience in the winning category going into next year. If if you didn't find ways to win with Will Levis this season and went into next year, having not really maintained or, or created any momentum in that category going into that season, how can you possibly consider yourselves anything more than a team in a transitionary year? Like if you want to be a contender quickly, and when you find a very good young quarterback like this, and you have a bunch of money to spend in the off season, you can become that very quickly I think you really need you need to have some momentum rolling at the end of this season to carry over into that next year. And so that's why I think this is really important and why I think that tanking, I'm not anti-tanking. I am anti-tanking when you already have your young quarterback and the Titans have the guy. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm with you on that one, especially considering, like you were saying, when you get down to it, the, the draft, it, it is a crapshoot. 
But in this case, and this is very early, but in this case, it is it is a lottery that has better odds than you would think. Like this draft class, honestly, picks one to twenty two could be blue chip prospects this year. Like there is there is exactly. no shortage. Exactly. It's yep. night and day from last season in last year's draft. This class. is this is not Black Friday two thousand six where you're lined up and there are four televisions on sale inside and there are seventy people fighting for them. Like that, there's a lot of good players in the. Like you said, it's early. We're probably going to change our minds thirty times before. The draft comes, and we'll dive all all of, dive into all of that in the spring. But it's pretty clear. I I feel comfortable as you seem to feel comfortable already in saying, yeah, whether the Titans picking at nine or twelve or fifteen, that they're going to get they're going to get a, a a good player. I don't think that's a, a huge issue. And so I think that I think it's a massive loser mentality to be distraught over that game for for having hurt the tank. Who cares, man? Who cares? And I'm here to tell you, by the way, all the teams in this range, and we're going to talk about this in the news, all the teams in this range that should have been tanking, they pretty much all won. So it's kind of no harm, no foul in that capacity. And so that was technically a bad thing. But in my opinion, it was a good thing. Uh, a couple more bad things, and then we'll, we need to hurry things up here. It's long show, lots to talk about, folks. I don't know what to tell you. Um, discipline, not good. Not good. This Titans team continues to have pre-snap penalties. Uh, Trevor in the in the comments here predicting what we're going to talk about. He says he wants to see the offense get plays off faster and clean up pre-snap penalties. Absolutely, Trevor. It, it's bad. And I get you're on the road. You got the music. You got the crowd. You got you know you're having a silent snap count. All these things. It, it it's an issue. And I asked Mike Vrabel today, and it's our only clip from the press conference we pulled because I found it to be the most interesting. I asked Mike Vrabel the pre-snap penalties are an issue at this point. Like it's, it's a repeating theme in these games for your team. And we've got repeat offenders at this point in for the guy that comes to mind immediately is Dylan Radins. Every single week, he's getting a false start. If not a couple last night was a couple. Here's what Mike Vrabel had to say in a, in an interesting and bit exasperated response to me. You can tell in my opinion that he's kind of fed up with it. With some repeat offenders at this point, what's the disconnect there? Like what has to happen to clean that? up? I, I don't know. I'm not, I don't jump offside. So when you have an opportunity to ask the players, you could ask them where the disconnect is with the music, the crowd noise, the cadence that we use at practice. But I don't, you know, I, I don't, I, I jumped offsides plenty when I was playing. So I don't know. I'm, I'm with you. You know I mean? It's like, it's frustrating to see whether they're locked in and, <clears throat> you know, and there's Simon or a pass rush and, we went through the week where it was the third down escapade and, you know, we just not to, you know, it, it's just, I guess, just frustrating that those are mistakes that, you know, we, we can't make and you know, overcome second and 15 or first and 15. And I love and appreciate when, when Mike gives me or any of us in the media a, a detailed answer like that, because you can you can kind of see the stages of his emotions in his response throughout that minute or so clip. At first it is, it is distant frustration. It's, I don't know. I'm not the one jumping off size. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. And then as he continues to talk himself through it, it becomes like, he says, I'm with you. Like it's frustrating. And I don't know what the issue is. I, I can't not jump off sides for them. 
And this is where we talk about our favorite person in the market, Jared Stillman, who you said, I didn't listen to this, but you said he was talking today about how Mike Vrabel coach. I'm guessing that's the kind of thing that he's pointing to. And folks that are, that are anti Vrabel today are pointing to and saying that he's got an undisciplined team. It's the first easy mark of a bad coach. It's, it's an interesting discussion for me because I get it in general. That's, that's a talking point, but he's right in the sense that he can't not jump off sides for them there is a breaking point in trying to assign blame somewhere where it goes from coaching to, okay, there's no amount of coaching that can prevent this. You've just got players that are either inferior or not good enough or not smart enough or a combination of the two to, to get done what you need to get done. And that's kind of where I get the impression this Titans team is. Cause another one of the things that I wrote down here for, for losers in this game was the, the idea that the, the the maxim bad teams make bad plays. Dysfunctional teams do dysfunctional things, right? The Titans last night, despite winning the game, it was an instance where they did implode for a minute. Like they they did that. It was it was really bad and they were handing the game away for quite a while. You, you want to make sure you lose to a team on the road a team that's already much better than you, a good idea in general. And again, the Titans were the outlier last night, the exception, the exception that, that disproves that, that proves the rule. Um, but a great idea in general on how to lose is giving away two turnovers in your own red zone at the end of the fourth quarter when it's a tight game, like that's a great way to lose. And they, they did that and they tried that. You had other instances of, of lack of discipline, Eric Guerra trying to field that punt when he should have been nowhere near it that that was the first of the two turnovers woof man like unforgivable mistake by the udfa gear who folks are climbing today because he got a pff grade on defense that was the highest on the team like y'all it's it's he 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 had a good game on defense it was it was on special teams where he made a horrendous unforgivable mistake that you saw Vrabel on the sidelines chewing him out on the broadcast and it's like oh i'd kill to know what he's saying right now you novice lip readers around the world could tell that one of the things he said as Garrett was trying to explain why he did what his did, what he did, Vrabel responded with, I, I what was I just, I don't give an F like, was that what it, I don't effing care? Um, mm-hmm. which Along is fair. Lines. None yeah. of us effing care what the excuse was there. There is no excuse. You, you don't do it. Jake Robertson helping us out with this stats and research in the comment section here. He says, Tennessee as the third most penalized team in the NFL tied with the Jags. And that is not the NFL out to get it for the Titans. That is an undisciplined team my friend um, that, that that is absolutely the case. And so you've got I- issues like that. You've got the pitch play to Derek Henry by, by, uh, by Will Levis. That is not, I don't, I can't wait to ask them about that tomorrow to see like, what was that? What happened there? Um, clearly on the, on the wrong page and bad pitch. Henry absolutely could have done a better job covering that ball up and protecting it, but he didn't. Um, so there was that. And then the last thing under losers that I had written down was second year receivers. Um, it's going to go under talked about because they didn't really do anything, but you had Traylon Burks who is struggling to get going on what was a huge cardio night. I think it was 47, 48 total snaps taken in this game. Uh, he had more snaps than Deandre Hopkins in this game. And yet he had three targets, one catch and one yard on the night. They're just, I, I don't have to tell you, man. I like it. It is. I, people say that you, they need to cut them. They need to give up. No, no, relax. They're not cu- cutting him. They're not giving up on him, but it is fair as a fan at this point. Here's the, here's where it is fair to be upset and to be done. You can be done expecting anything from him. It needs to be a, I'll believe it when I see it situation. Totally fair to like, keep letting him go out there. Keep letting him try to get it to go to get it together and, and, and pull through. And again, on paper, can you realize what you have on paper in reality? 
maybe there's a breakthrough. It's not unpo- it's not impossible to see a, la- a late career breakthrough for a guy like that. But at this point, as a fan and your expectations, it's totally fair to say I, I'm not expecting any, anything from this guy right now. Um, and then Phillips, who I was very excited, Kyle Phillips was active in this game. He was actively inactive because he didn't do anything. I don't know how many snaps he had. I forgot to check that number, but um, he played some and he didn't get any targets and he didn't have any receptions. So that's not great. Jake, uh, along the lines of receiver in the comments, JT, before, sorry, I, I'm sure you've got something to say on that. He says, uh, asks rather, any word on Kyrus Jackson's return? Nothing specific. Uh, I doubt he's back this year. If he is, it will be later and in limited capacity. He's he, His injury was pretty significant it, it, next year for Kyrus Jackson. Um, yeah, I mean, what what is there to say on these two guys who... So I this is this is a very interesting take, I think, for me. I there i think there is something to be said and actually friend of the show james foster put out um took all every uh route from the uh, past the line of scrimmage that Traylon burks had last night and so mm-hmm. i will be watching that afterwards and i think it might confirm that oh he has a compilation of all the video of he, it? he has the okay. compilation of all all the uh all the video there is there's something to be said that there are times that Traylon is open it's, it's just it's just not being seen because there there is sometimes where Will Levis is absolutely tunnel visioned on a DeAndre Hopkins hmm, and yeah. maybe has to do with that. DeAndre Hopkins has been present all season with Will Levis since he's been back to to make that great chemistry and make that rapport. Traylon Burks has not been around and has not had time to develop kind of a connection with Will Levis like during this time in the season. I, I can count a couple of times where last night, just going back in my memory that I, I see Traylon Burks has about f- maybe two or three yards of even more separation than Deandre Hopkins had. And, and Will Levis still forces the ball into Deandre Hopkins hand. Um, not saying that's a bad thing because Deandre Hopkins obviously is a very talented receiver who can sure. go get those balls. Um, but yeah, it, it's a little frustrating for him. And I see, I see the argument, but at the same time, I'll, it'll be interesting when, when I go watch the all 22, because I, I'm really interested to see uh, more from Traylon Burks this week. He also had one, which I, I think he could have had a chance of coming down with if it wasn't for a great PBU by the Dolphins secondary right. last night. Um, but yeah, it, it is frustrating for him right now as, as like you said, just running simple cardio <laughs> last night on most of these, but I think Heavy there were a couple night. of uh, opportunities for him last night that Will Levis just passed on him. You know, the famous basketball graphic, the meme where it's like zero blocks, zero points, zero rebounds, zero 28 steals, minutes zero assists, played. 28 minutes. Yeah, just cardio king for the evening. Yep. That was Traylon Burks. Uh, hey, how about we get back to some winners and then we get to the, the news here because there was more good than bad to talk about this game, a game in which the Titans, again, they won. I'm having to remind you because it still doesn't feel quite right. Um, how about the defense, who we've not given much love to at all today? It was truly shocking how the Titans, not just that they won this game, but how the Titans won this game last night. Because we talked about it last week. The common sense path to victory for this team looked something like this. Well, you got you got to win the turnover battle in this one if the Titans want to stand a chance. They lost it three to one. Well, you got you need to at least win the time of possession. Okay, you're going to need to possess the ball, keep the ball out of that Dolphins offense's hands. They had the ball for five less minutes in the game than the Dolphins did. 
Well, you're going to the Titans, you know, their identity, you know, you got a rookie quarterback, you got limited weapons, bad pass protection. You're going to need to dominate on the ground. You're going to need to win in the trenches, be, be a stout defense in the run game as the Titans have been. And they need to pound the rock with Derrick Henry and Tajay Spears. Got to win in the run game. Well, Titans only had 83 yards of total rushing and they allowed 158 at a 5.1 yard per carry clip. Titans only had 2.9 yards per carry. That isn't to say that this was a fraudulent, lucky win. Like, let's be clear here. They won on the back of Will Levis's arm, Tajay Spears, and DeAndre Hopkins making plays, and, as we're about to talk about, a fantastic red zone defense. A statistic that I think goes really under the radar because there's not much this Titans team is great at, let alone the best in the league at. The thing that they are the best in the league at, and that it was on the screen last night if you were watching the broadcast, sneaky stat for you. They're the number one red zone defense in the league, allowing, I think it was at the time of the beginning of last night's game, I don't know what it is now, 38 and change percent of drives by opponents are allowed to turn into a touchdown. Um, best in the league. And last night, they lived up to that because, again, the Dolphins offense really only generated six points. Their first, they, they actually, on paper, offensively scored 21, no, sorry, 20 points. Um, the first seven points came from the pick six. That's a defense defensive touchdown. Then they got six points on their own on actual full length field drives, two field goals. And then the other two touchdowns were uh, maybe I'll have to pull up the specifics on this JT. One was a pick six or not a pick six, sorry, a, um, a, a muffed punt that turned into like a one or two play drive for five yards and then Darren the other one was the punt at five at, at about the five yard line and right, then so the a other five one yard drive for one or two Derrick plays. Henry humble, fumble right and then the Derrick Henry fumble was a like three play 12 yard drive like two two drives deep in the opponent red zone so again the only points they were allowed to generate by this Titans defense which was prime Ben don't break Titans defense were those two field goals one field goal attempt that they blocked. So by the way. it actually was on the first one, two plays, seven yards and okay. two plays, 12 yards for a combined total 19 of 19 yards, four for plays, <laughs> 19 yards for two. Touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not real drives, right? Those are gifted touchdowns. Um, And so this was a wow, right? Like, wow. How this Titans red zone defense, they don't do a ton of things. Great. But the red zone defense is great. Don't ask me how I, I don't know how they're so good at it. But it's what kept them in this game throughout the night. This defensive performance was what I was frankly expecting to see from this defense all year long, right? This this was a complimentary defense performance. The secondary did a valiant, respectable job containing what is a track star team of professional athletes in Miami, keeping them in front of you, making some really really nice one-on-one contested uh, pass breakups and, 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 and being in the way and, and forcing Tua to hold the ball for a long time. I mean, this is a crazy stat. This, this is unfathomable to me, but it's true. The only three defenses in the league who have managed to force Tua uh, to hold the ball longer than 2.6 seconds on average. Cause this year he has thrived on getting the ball out so quickly. The Titans, the longest they, anybody has forced Tua to hold onto the ball this year on average. 2.72 seconds. The Chiefs, 2.64, and the Bills, 2.63 seconds. The Dolphins' passing offense averaged negative EPA against all three of those teams. And if I'm not mistaken, they lost to all, they, they lost to the Dolphins, didn't they? Or the Chiefs, the Chiefs beat the Dolphins, I think. I think the Dolphins lost all three of these teams. Um, I, I, 
I couldn't, I could never have guessed that they would do that. It was a result of, again, the pass rush getting home and the pass rush allowed to get home because the secondary was doing a bang up job. Roger McCreary played a lights out game. Sharma Bunting made a couple of notable mistakes, but battled back hard just through an injury. It looks like when, when he and Tyreek Hill both went down on that, on that hip drop tackle, he battled and made some really nice plays, especially in the red zone. Uh, you, you didn't hear Eric Gare's name on defense. You also didn't hear Trey Avery's name on defense. They were both out there. So not hearing their names. That's good news. Um, I was really, really impressed by them. And then the pass rush, like I said, they were showing out. I put this tweet up about, I think it was October 7th, first week of October. I tweeted out, uh, I'm convinced every person surprised by or upset with Harold Landry's level of play through five games has never seen a professional athlete come back from an ACL injury. And I felt that was the case at the time. And I felt like people were being impatient and were, were being really foolish to write him off so early. Harold Landry. In the eight games since that tweet, and AJ in the comments saying Harold Landry coming off an ACL injury has eight and a half sacks this season. Well, wait until I tell you after his first five games, getting back into the swing of things, what he's done. So after his first five games, he's played eight games since that first five game stretch. In those eight games since that tweet, he has amassed 7.5 sacks, eight tackles for loss, 15 quarterback hits, and 28 pressures. Much of that is top 10, top five in the league in that time span. He's back. The judge, judge the honorable judge Landry is, is back in court. The court is in session. Um, it's been really impressive watching. I mean, last night he, he, the cherry on top of all of these three sack night, a big deal that he is back for this Titans offense. And they are without Jeffrey Simmons in that game. He still is getting home. Yeah, I, I I'm with you there. My, uh, two, or I guess I, I'll say three guys that stood out to me last night. Harold Landry, one, was making impacts in, in lieu of the defensive injuries. Like you said, Roger McCreary had a really good game. He is back. Um, he had that that little dip in his performance, but Roger McCreary continuing to develop into a nice young secondary player for this team. And then I think the the, the linebacker that was able to do anything against Raheem Mostert and Devon Chain last night, Aziz Alshair, I think he had a pretty solid game, even though he wasn't exactly... Uh, on the on the uh, leaderboard uh, or, or being talked about a lot, but he had 10 right. total tackles and seven solo. So he was there being able to contain Raheem Mostert and Devon Achan um, before they were able to break off huge runs. Yeah, it, it was it was a really, really nice defensively. Todd in the, the comments saying that didn't Nico Autry balled out like always. Yep, he it's crazy how much juice he has left at 32, 31 years old. Um it was a really phenomenal night for, for that defense. And it was a phenomenal night for the defense or for the uh, Titans as a whole. I don't, that's, I, I know we had a lot today. We're 75 minutes into this and I've thrown a ton of information at you guys. I appreciate you being here and being a part of the conversation. One last segment to get to before we dip out of here. We have quite a few things in the news to discuss. So without further ado, here is producer JT with the news. Yeah, let's talk about, like you said, um, the, the Titans may have won the game, but lost the tank, uh, lost them some positions in the tank race. I wouldn't put it that far um, as teams. If everybody with four, loses, yes, everybody wins. Yes. If, if teams with four or fewer wins coming into the weekend, they all went five and one. The Patriots, Jets, Bears, Giants and Titans all won this weekend. The Panthers lost once again so that. Obviously, pretty much unless Bryce Young has a 
uh, insane last couple of games. The the one unless seed Bryce Young turns much- into one of the other three top quarterbacks drafted yes. besides him in this draft class, I, yeah. Um, not, can you it, imagine it, being the Panthers right now? By the way, just I, I know we talked about this earlier today. You you trade your. You, I mean, pardon my language, but we're seventy, we're eighty minutes into the show. I feel like I can. Uh, you sold your whole ass to move up for 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 Bryce Young, and then less than a full year later not even a full year, less than a full season later. Um, CJ Stroud, clearly him. Will Levis sure as hell looks like him. Uh, Anthony Richardson, before he got hurt, looked like him. You, you fired your first year head coach and Bryce is struggling mightily with a terrible supporting cast. Yeah, it, it is not. It's not looking good. And now they do not have their first round pick this season. So, hey, shout out the Bears. Lock, yes. lock. I mean, locked down that first round pick. That is a no sweat for them. Good for them, man. Good for yep. the Bears. And then the Commanders and Cardinals also won by. So they don't move. Actually, they move up because of everyone else winning. And they moved um, away from them. Exactly. You know, so the, tangentially, before you move on, the only thing I'll say about this is this is, by the way, why professional bettors clean up this time of year. These were all teams that nobody wanted to touch. And we were, I mean, we were guilty of it on this show. We favorites have been doing so well. I think JT, we got a little bit lulled in taking too many favorites down the stretch. We're probably gonna be focusing on some more dogs, some ugly dogs like this, because all five of those teams that won this week, the Patriots, the Jets, the Bears, the Giants, the Titans, all of those teams to most public betters that I talked to, they are at this point in the year considered touch under no circumstances T- won't in the, in the spirit of the, of the Christmas season from the song, the Grinch, I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot pole. That's what most of these teams are at this point. And professional betters say, I will take those. Thank you very much. Give me big fat inflated lines. NFL teams don't quit. These teams didn't quit. They all won. This is why they make big bucks. Moving on now, let's talk about Derrick Henry and another uh, another milestone game for him because it seems like every game is a milestone for him. But with his two rushing touchdowns on Monday Night Football this week, Derrick Henry now has 10 plus rushing touchdowns for a sixth consecutive season. He is the sixth wow. player in NFL history with 10 or more touchdowns in six uh, six plus seasons. He joins. Wait, hang on. Do you, have, do you have a list for this? I do have a list. He joins. Can I, can I go out on a limb here? and say this is going to be another list of Derrick Henry and a bunch of Hall of Famers. Is it, that going to be the case? It, it could be the case. So who do, who do we uh, have he joins LaDainian Tomlinson. Future Hall of Famer. Emmett Smith. Hall of Famer. Adrian Peterson. Future Hall of Famer. Barry Sanders. Hall of Famer. Marcus Allen. Hall of Famer, I think. I, I'm not Maybe sure. But, not. but And then Derrick Henry. And then Derrick Henry. So, hey, yeah. Okay, thanks for Marcus for ruining our point. Sorry if you're a Hall of Famer, we don't know. But yeah, I mean, it, would you believe it? Another example of Derrick Henry plus a bunch of Hall of Famers. Crazy how that happens. Yes, and then finally, just a little bit of a look ahead to this week upcoming against the Texans. Marcus um, Allen is in the Hall of Fame, by the way. So oh, sorry, good. Marcus. Good for him. You should have known. Sorry, should have um, known that, Marcus. Should have known that. <laughs> The, the Texans worked out a quarterback but didn't sign him, so that means they could feel pretty okay about C.J. Stroud um, playing, or, or it also means that this 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 quarterback they worked out wasn't any good. Either way, it most likely will be C.J. Stroud or uh, Davis Mills this weekend. Do we know uh, who they worked Nissan. out, or did they just say worked out yeah, a so quarterback? They, so they, they worked out quarterback Jack Cohn, who played at Wisconsin Former, and Notre Dame. Yeah, and- Notre Dame legend. He played uh, He played a game. He started a game for the Saints last year. Do you remember that? Didn't, in primetime, no. we got Jack Cohn Saints in primetime, and it was I don't un- believe you. It was, it was a top three unwatchable game of the year. 
I don't. He may not have started, but he played the majority of the game. Either he started or somebody got hurt quickly. Mm, but we got okay. a Jack Cone game, and it was a nightmare. Um, but yes, either way, he did not sign with the Texans today, so that means that it will be C.J. Stroud or Davis Mills. Yeah, it's uh, that it's a great transition into some best bet gauntlet results and early leans because I do have a couple. I want to do a better job, JT. We, you know, the best bet gauntlet we take very seriously here. We advise you every Thursday to follow our social media feeds where we put some early leans out there and lock in some lines early in the week on Tuesday and Wednesday before the Thursday show. We make our final picks because there's closing line value because we want to get the numbers at the best of the number before they move. So I want to do a better job on Tuesday's show of talking about those when we have them. And I've got a couple today that I put out there. Uh, I saw that you agreed with grabbing some of those while they're still grabbing them hot off the presses. Um, before we do that, some results from the week, we both went three and two. So a six and four week for the show. We will take that each and every single week, please. And thank you. Give it to us all the time. 60% is making good money, very good money. And so it is yet another week uh, on the year where we win. I went and looked, by the way, we have nine weeks this season so far in which we um, won uh, money. So we went six and four or better. And we have five weeks in which we lost money uh, going five and five or worse, which again, five and five, you're losing just the VIG just a little bit. That's essentially 500 um, of those losing weeks. We went five and five in uh, two of those five. So only three weeks out of 14 the season where we've been below 500. And again, nine weeks where we've made money even uh, despite the VIG. So fantastic here for the best bet gauntlet. Keep that train a rolling. Keep improving our numbers. With that, we've got some early leans on this one, and I want to briefly discuss what those are. Um, three that I have. The first is Tennessee minus two at Houston, or excuse me, versus Houston in Nashville. Uh, first of all, very important statistic. They are playing in their throwback uniforms in which it's physically impossible for them to lose in. So take that into account when you're betting. Uh, number two, and this is just a simple grab before Stroud is officially ruled out with a concussion. I think that he will be. I also think they're going to be without Tank Dell, without Nico Collins, without their third receiver in um, uh, 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 tight end. Help me out here. Dalton Schultz. Dalton, Dalton Schultz. Schultz. Um, if all three of those guys are out and CJ, CJ Stroud is out officially, there's no way that number stays below three. It's going to be it, Titans minus three, minus three and a half. If it's Davis Mills coming to Nashville next Sunday, that's going to be the case. If Stroud's cleared to play, I'm probably going to buy out of this position. So just keep that in mind. But you are forgetting you are forgetting that it is Robert Woods' revenge homecoming game. So, dude, that is that changes everything. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'm going to run the I'm going to put that I'm going to factor that into the, my model and see what okay. it spits out later, and I'll get yeah. back to you. But yeah, so taking Tennessee minus two versus Houston early before that moves. Also grabbing Buffalo minus two and a half versus Dallas. Got to grab this while it's still below the field goal. Buffalo is the better team in this matchup. You can. Shout at a wall. They are the better team in this matchup. Uh, they're also the much, this is more important. It, it, clearly, both teams are very good. The important and objective differentiator here is they are the more desperate team in this matchup, much more desperate. They're going to be the rest of the year because they're playing for their playoff lives. And Dallas is due for a letdown spot. They've had a couple of really impressive, big performances lately. They're due for a letdown. I'm personally smashing the Bills this week, and I think getting that under the field goal, whether you think it's a good move or not, take Buffalo, I think it's going to move to over the field goal. Um, so grabbing that is good. And then this one's kind of gross. Minnesota plus three and a half at Cincinnati at your bungles. This one makes me queasy too. Like I know I, eh, eh, why, but simply have to do it based on just our betting fundamentals and the spot here. It's a big, big, big buy low sell high situation on a Minnesota team with a quarterback situation. They announced today that Josh Dobbs, the, the astronaut turned astronaut is getting sat down. You're getting, um, 
who oh nick mullins nicky mullins is gonna nicky mullins is gonna have a full week of practice to start and they're coming off of a three to nothing win in the air quotes because that everybody lost in that game viewers and both teams and everybody involved um the Bengals, for their part they're a team riding high on jake Browning's success which will eventually inevitably fall back down to earth could get caught here maybe the browning success the match doesn't run out yet but i'm I'm kind of betting on that now. And I think that the pros, more importantly, they're going to be hammering this spot. Um, I think Minnesota as a three and a half point underdog is going to go under or to that field goal quickly. So getting the hook now is important. So those three early leans for the best bet gauntlet, Tennessee minus two versus Houston, Buffalo minus two and a half versus Dallas and Minnesota plus three and a half at Cincy. Again, not guaranteed to be in our best bet gauntlet come Thursday, not guaranteed to be my bet or JT's bet. Um, but they are sides that we, agree are are liable to move and so get the best of the number now maybe buy out later if you think it's not the best bet all right jt anything else in the news for us today that's going to do it for today all right that's going to do it for the news with producer jt thank you very much that's going to do it with our show today a long one but it was well deserved rarely in recent weeks have we had a north of hour 15 we got about an hour half worth of show here today but it was a great one appreciate each and every one of you that was with us today live if you're listening post Maybe change things up and join us live next time. We're live each and every Sunday evening when the Titans play on Sundays. This is a weird week because they put on Monday. Sunday evenings, Tuesday afternoons, and Thursday afternoon, evening, 5.30 p.m., whatever you consider that. So come and check us out. AJ, waving goodbye in the comments. Appreciate you. Appreciate everybody that tuned in with us. Again, check out Boomboss, our wonderful and amazing sponsor. That's where you'll see us next, live at Boomboss this Thursday night. Come hang out. It's going to be a good time. 5.30 for the show. 7.15 or whenever Thursday Night Football starts, 7.15, I think, uh, for the game. We'll be there all night long, hanging out, watching the game, drinking, eating, having a good time. Make sure you're subscribing to us on social media, at Hot Read Pod. That's the show account on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the best content from the show, as well as updates uh, as to when we're going live and uh, what shows are, are happening when. And then subscribe on YouTube to Broadway Sports Media uh, YouTube page. Check us out there as well. One last you know, thing while we're asking for favors, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you listen to this in podcast form and leave a five-star review, haven't asked for that in a while. Would love your five-star review input. It's very helpful to us. And thank you very much for listening to our show until Thursday when JT and I will be back, probably talking a little bit more about this miraculous win and talking a whole lot more about the Texans coming to town for a little Titans Oilers throwback, rub it in your face, revenge game situation. Uh, we, we got confirmation last night that potentially Mike Vrabel, according to what he said in the locker room to his players, might be wearing a little bum Phillips Cowboys hat out there. I'm going to do as best I can to get people to pressure him into doing that. We'll see what happens. Uh, we'll talk about all of those things on Thursday. Until then, for producer JTM, your host, Easton Freeze, have a fantastic couple of days, and we'll talk to you on Thursday.